Hey, this is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com or FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch With Jen and Friends. If Watch With Jen is the studio track, this is the acoustic version. Today's guest is Courtney Howard. Friendly, genuine, and supportive, film critic and entertainment journalist Courtney Howard's work has been published on Variety, She Knows, Award Circuit, and FreshFiction.tv. A member of the Los Angeles Film Critics Association, the Critics' Choice Association, the Online Film Critics Society, and the Alliance of Women Film Journalists. You can also hear Courtney as a guest on a number of podcasts, including One Heat Minute and Increment Vice a music lover with a top-notch collection of cool retro records, not to mention an enviable assortment of Chanel nail polish. Courtney resides in Southern California with her screenwriter husband and has never met a dachshund she didn't like. I'm so excited to introduce you guys to Courtney Howard. Welcome, Courtney. How are you doing and how are you adapting to quarantine life? Um, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Hopefully you're doing well as well. Um, it's been different being quarantine life. Like usually this job is pretty isolated within itself where you're sort of off alone writing your own stuff anyways, and sort of thinking alone anyways. Um, so I feel like our jobs have sort of prepared us pretty well for this kind of thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just different. The workload is obviously a little different and you're having to sort of maneuver and uh, sort of bend with uh, the times. Um, and it's just, it seems like our landscape, our, the journalistic landscape is changing and what people want to read anymore is changing too. So that's another issue that I'm sort of headbutting up against. But um but it's still fine. It's still great. Like I'm still blessed to have a house that uh, is big enough for two people that if we're, if I'm annoyed with my husband, I can walk into another room or, you know, go into the backyard. Thank God we have a backyard. Um, Mm -hmm. I bought, I bought a little, um, I'm blabbing now, but I bought a little uh, like um, sort of like a blow up pool, like a kiddie pool type thing called a mini dip. And that's been like, something great for my sanity where I just go soak in that little tub, like in the little tub outside for like an hour. And it's just blissful. Just listen to some yacht rock and like just bliss out for like an hour. Um, So that's been great for my sanity. I like that idea. That would be really nice. Yeah. Uh, They're great. I highly recommend them. I do not work for them. I do not get a commission, but I highly (laughs) recommend the mini dips. Um, And they're at Target for like $40. So. I'm enabling everybody to go buy one now. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's just been, it's just been a different situation. Work's kind of slowed down a little bit, but thankfully um, my outlets are still taking stuff. So that's good. I feel like I'm in an advantage point in that, uh, in that way. Unlike some of our colleagues. Yeah. So, um, so I'm blessed in that regard. And my husband's like busier working than ever. So that's really great. Um, so again, we're blessed with that. So we have it pretty good and like, thank God, and we're staying healthy. And so that's sort of how we're managing it. That's excellent to hear. Well, I followed and interacted with you on Twitter for a number of years 
And I've always enjoyed your work, but one thing I've been wanting to know is what first got you interested in film or writing and or writing about movies? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've always had an interest in film, like ever since I was young. It seems like so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed saying it, but like I saw E.T. in the theaters and I was like, holy cow, like this is, <laughs> how did they do this? This is like, I was like six, and so I was like enamored with, movie making and how they did it. I love Star Wars. When I was that age too, like I was born in the advent of like the VHS was coming out. And so we had, we started getting VHS tapes. So I'd watch, it was like Adventures of Winnie, Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, Empire Strikes Back. Like both of those things would be always on the TV because I'd always have them in the VHS, um, <laughs> in the VCR. Um, so like, so I just sort of grew from there. And then when I was a teen, uh, it seems so silly, but I saw Adventures in Babysitting, and that's one of my favorite movies. And it's not like it's a masterpiece of any any regard, but I loved it so much. And I was like, how do they do this? I want to <laughs> do something like this. And at the time, I sort of thought, oh, well, maybe directing. Directing was always the big catch-all. Like, oh, maybe I want to be a director. And so I started subscribing to magazines like Entertainment Weekly and Premier Magazine when that was uh, available and out. Um, so yeah. I started subscribing yeah. to those and voraciously reading reviews, uh, all of the articles in there, just pouring over them and just getting all that knowledge. And in high school, I was like, OK, I'm going to go to film school like that's going to be what I want to do. And so I did two years of community college and then transferred to Biola University, which is in Southern California, and they share teachers with USC, and um, I think there might be some teachers at UCLA there too, um, but uh, they also have a great film program there where you can get your hands on equipment even as a junior. Usually like in, at USC, you have to be a senior, and it's a whole rigmarole, and you're not guaranteed equipment and stuff, so just basics here. Um, so I thought, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And so I had done some directing stuff at college, and I was like, eh, I don't think maybe this is for me. And somehow I got introduced to doing assistant directing, which is more uh, the logistics of uh, producing and planning mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I'm a, I'm a pretty organized person most times. Um, I may seem a little harried, but um, pretty organized. And so I got into doing assistant directing and I thought, well, maybe I would want to do the uh, Directors Guild of America's assistant directing uh, trainee program. And um, of course that was super cutthroat and mm-hmm. really, it's really difficult to get into. You have to really have a passion for that line of work. And um, I'm not a good test taker, so I did not. I tried twice, and I just didn't get in. And I just felt like that was sort of like what I call a God whisper of like, maybe this isn't for you. Maybe try something else. Mm-hmm. And um, I did an internship at Deborah Hill Productions in college. Um my senior year in college. And so, and she was one of the producers of Adventures in Babysitting. So I feel like I sort of had this full circle moment um, there, Uh, but she was hardly in the office, but it was still cool that I had, like that was a major thing for me. Um, Learned producing stuff too. And I thought, well, maybe producing might be a thing too, but 
somehow, you know, life just takes you different routes and different places and you sort of have to do what you have to do to earn money. And, um, when I graduated from college, there wasn't any real upward mobility in the company, even though they did really want to keep me there. There was just not enough that I could be doing for them. And so I had tried getting a job at different other production companies around town, but no one's hiring. And, Mm -hmm. um, so that was really difficult. And so I, you know, I basically needed money to pay the bills. And a friend of mine was like, I work at a mergers and acquisitions firm downtown. You should come downtown. So I did, I was a secretary at a mergers and acquisitions firm, which is totally not in my wheelhouse at all. Um, Mm -hmm. but that was fun for a while. Um, and then 9-11 happened and I was like, I don't want to be working in a skyscraper downtown anymore. Um, (laughs) so, um, all that time people had been telling me like, oh, you like movies? What should I watch? Um, what's out? Have you seen this? Do you like this? Blah, blah, blah. And sort of asking my opinion. They're like, you should start writing about movies. And I'm like, I don't think that's for me. Like I've never really written professionally and, you know, I had done, you know, film, I had done some film criticism before, like in high school and just very minorly. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, of course, wrote, did film thesis work and stuff like that, but nothing to the extreme of like really writing professionally about it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I don't think so. I don't think that's for me. <laughs> and then I got another job at a, um, after the mergers and acquisitions firm, I got a job doing at an editorial um, a small company does uh, Final Cut, who put out these instructionals for Final Cut Pro, um, uh-huh. and editorial firm. And so they were even saying, like, asking me recommendations for movies. And uh, they're like, we love the way you talk about movies. You should get one of those blogs that everybody's doing, because that was sort of this yeah. whole advent and explosion of blog stuff, um, like Ain't It Cool and all that all those sort of sites and they're like, you should get one of those things. And I'm like, oh, I still don't know about that. Um, and so it wasn't until like, gosh, what year was that? I don't know. Probably a year after my mom passed away, I started having this like realization that I should just start saying yes to more things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. I had just joined Twitter and, um, Twitter can actually be good for some things. And, yeah. um, I had sent out a tweet about Mad Men cause that was all the rage at the time. And an editor for the first site I worked for tweeted me back and was like, I like the sound of your voice on Twitter. You have a really casual kind of cool rapport with people on here. You should write professionally. And I'm like, this again so it's like my third time of like people telling me you should write I'm like you know what let's try it for a year and see how this goes and if I don't like it then I can just stop it's nothing like super committal or anything so we just sort of went from there and um, I started writing up news stuff just like aggregate news stuff and um I did that for like a couple months and then he was like hey you want to start writing reviews and that was the editor at the site and I was like oh okay sure and so I started doing reviews and I was like oh this can be kind of fun like it's a different kind of thing that I'm used to this is more like 
I don't have to be so formal and um, so like rigid with like, here are the details and with the information and stuff is factual, like it's more editorial. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is not, this is not bad. I'm kind of liking it. And so then I started doing junkets, like press junkets and stuff. Um, and then it just snowballed from there. And then I think it was probably four years later that site sort of went kablooey and disappeared overnight um, while I had like projects in play. And so I don't know the whole time it was just like, I love film and I still love film. I still love talking to people about movies. I'm not really, I don't think you can really tell from the podcast, but I'm not really an outgoing person. I'm sort of shy and an introvert. So, but once I hear people talking about movies or music or something entertainment based, I can jump in if it's historical or like news, like hard news stuff. Then it's like pass. I can't talk about that. But <laughs> if people start talking about movies, I can definitely talk about them. So that my love has always been there, but it just sort of grew out of people saying, "Hey, you should do this." So here I am. <laughs> Cool. No, I like that a lot. I am with you. I I try to find common ground with everyone. And I always find movies are universal, pretty much. Like, mm-hmm. you meet somebody, and I have, actually, I remember once a gentleman was doing my hair, and he was dying it, so it was going to be, like, a few hours. It was the longest few hours of my life, because he <laughs> said, Boy, like, what do you do? Oh, I write about movies. Like, fiction, I don't I don't need somebody to make up a story for me. And it was just like, okay. <laughs> so that was a super long, weird few hours there. But otherwise, most people like movies. I tried talking to them about documentaries, that kind of thing. I mean, I was, I think I was going for like gardening at the end and I don't know anything about gardening. So it was very hard, but yes, movies are a good common denominator. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, and I I like I also used to work at a, a video store at Suncoast uh, video shop in the malls that, that used to be a oh, huge thing it. like I Sam Goody Musicland owned owned them. And so I used to work there. And so for me, like when a customer would come in and be like, I'm looking for this movie, it like warmed my heart to be able to like give them that movie and be like, yeah. here, here's this thing you're looking for or we weren't a rental shop, but like people would come in and be like, Oh, that guy that was in that movie, do you have that? And so it'd be like this fun detective sort of exercise to try to figure out what, who they meant um, with the barest bare bones of details. Like that was like a trivia contest for me. And um, so like, it's still like, I'm like, Hey, I can get you that. Or, Hey, this is what, and then I can just base recommendations off of those things too, saying, Hey, you like this movie? How about, how about movie B or something like that? And sometimes they would like say, okay, well, we trust you. And then they'd come back and then I'd have regular customers. And so I felt like that sort of is a own little microcosm too. Um, so that's that was always sort of a pleasure for me to have that and so doing this I feel like I can like help guide people of what to watch and what movies would suit them if they like you know obviously they have to like movies but like what movies would suit them um I also like sort of 
gauging that and like, you know, dinner party conversation, be like, hmm, you're somebody I can talk to or you're not somebody I can talk to. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Very much. Well, I used to love going to Suncoast and this was, you know, back before like the internet was what it is now. And I remember there was a period there where if my phone rang and it would ring at weird hours, like half the time it was a friend or friends of friends who passed along my number or whatever, like with some kind of trivia, who's that guy who was in that thing? And Jen knows, let's just call her at seven in the morning, a Saturday. (laughs) It was really funny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So kind of, that era, we're from that era before you could just jump on IMDb or Google and do that thing. And I think that kind of helped us with our uh, finding our passion and yeah, our little detective work, which we both mm-hmm. like. I was going to ask too, what are some of your biggest interest areas in film? Like I've talked to people who some of them love classic movies, horror, fashion on screen women in film, do you have any particular areas that you are especially keen on or are you pretty much equal opportunity? Um, not so much equal opportunity, although I will give any movie a chance, of course, yeah. um, which you kind of have to. Um, but my area of interest is uh, the married people arguing ju- subgenre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so marital, any marital discord or relationship discord, that's what I like. Um, I like it when it's more drama, but it can be comedy too. Like I always found, find those like really clever and inventive. I think there's so much drama that can come out of just two people talking. Um, even like my dinner with Andre, which seems like a boring sort of thing. And it's not marital discord at all, but it's just two people talking. Um, but you know, the before, like I sort of was like the, the whole before series from Richard Linklater, like that sort of like, I don't know if that was the gateway maybe like before sunrise might've been my gateway into scenes from a marriage, which sort of begat, you know, all of these other films. But I always like, to sort of find those movies and talk about them. Cause I think there's so much there to discuss and like my marriage is fine. Thank you very much. But like <laughs> if, if people are arguing on screen, I'm like, Ooh, what's this about? <laughs> yeah. so, marital discord, relationship discord. Like that's my jam. Like point me to those movies. I will see the shit out of them and talk <laughs> about them. Um, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so that's my thing. Um, I also like movies with music in them. Um, Not necessarily musicals, although those are really great, but um, just anything like music business related or something like that. I've never done anything in the music business, but I find those things fascinating too. Um, But yeah, I think those are sort of my, I don't know that I have, like I'm now getting into like classic film is such a sort of, blind spot for me like my parents had on TCM in the house and stuff like that but I never it was always me coming into a movie like 20 minutes late and I'm like I don't know what's going on and I don't want to bother my parents watching this to ask them what's going on so I'll just catch the next thing and then I never could so like a lot of black and white movies I haven't seen so I'm catching up on sort of I'm trying to go by like genre so I'm diving into like film noirs right now Wonderful. Um, 
So sort of getting like, of course, I've seen double indemnity and sort of like the big ones, but I'm trying to go deeper than that and sort of get those off of my list and stuff. And there's so much like there's a wealth of such great movies um, in that genre, um, such great dramatics and like really bold work, like stuff that they don't do in movies anymore, which is, oh. is astounding to me. Um, that they don't sort of go to these places that these classic films did back then. Um, Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, so that's what I've sort of been. uh, That's what I prefer. What I like mysteries, thrillers, nineties thrillers. I know we've talked about that before. (laughs) We're both passionate about those. (laughs) I'm so excited. You're uh, jumping into noir. There's so much good stuff there. So I'm eager to see what you check out. That's awesome. Yeah, it's slow going, but I'm getting there. Like there's a few like deep cuts and then I'll sort of knock off some of the the more like greater ones like Laura. I I watched Um, I have to watch Gilda still. That's on my DVR. Um, But yeah, there's a bunch that I bought like right before this town shut down that like where the sidewalk ends I have that I need to watch. Um, but yeah, so I bought a, a slew of DVDs right before we shut down thinking I'll get to these during quarantine. So very cool. I was going to ask you actually, yeah, it sounds like you just answered that part. I was going to say during quarantine, what types of movies have you been seeking out? So besides film noir, are you going for old favorites? Are you checking out any other new stuff? Or what have you been looking for? And is there anything you'd like to recommend? Yeah, um, I've been sort of all over the place as far as my watching goes. I think whenever I get, like, super sad about the state of the world, which is pretty often, um, but um, when I get really super sad about things, I like to, I threw on... Um, there is probably about a week or two into this whole quarantine, self-isolation, whatever you want to call it, um, where I was like, this is just not getting any better and sort of feeling like the despair. And I put on Bridesmaids and Spy one after the other. And those cheered me up so much. Just laughter is like just those comfort, those, the comfort of laughter and comedy, like real good comedy. Um, yeah. There's nothing like that. Um, so I rewatched those. I did a double of those. Um, but other than that, like I've been sort of all over the place with my watching. Like, of course, we like binge watched Tiger King. Um, I still have to watch The Last Dance, which everybody is talking about. Um, as far as like shows go, I started getting into started watching some of the Bond movies that I hadn't seen before, which were a lot of them. Um, they, they were, a lot of them were on Amazon prime for a while, but then they got taken off the service. So now I'm sort of having to go sort of catch and catch all like on my DVR now. Uh So bond movies before the new one comes out in November, I still have time. Thank God. Um, so I think there's like four more, three or four more bond movies I need to, uh, watch before I've seen them all. Um, what else have I been watching? Um, yeah, I've seen new stuff too. Like the high note is coming out on Friday. I really enjoyed that one. Um, Mm -hmm. what else? Scoob I saw, which I thought was cute. Um, 
What else? Um, as far as what I would recommend to people, I would just say, like, find either the genre that you have are like have the most blind spots in and just like start going through titles there from like the most obvious selections to like the deeper cuts. Um, you could also choose a filmmaker that you don't, uh, have a lot of experience watching their films and, uh, go start going through their, uh, resume and, you know, checking off the ones that you can see there, or if it's like the AFI top 100 list, or, um, uh, I think they're, they're also doing, AFI is also doing a movie club every day, um, where they recommend a movie every day. Um, you could go through those, doing those. Um, there's still stuff like uh, even favorite filmmakers like Steven Spielberg. Like I still, I'm embarrassed to say I still haven't seen Schindler's List. So um, <laughs> I don't know how that's happened. Yeah, but maybe not right now. But yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. sad. There's never a right time to watch Schindler's List. That's how it's happened. Yeah. <laughs> It's too sad. So, uh, like, I've never seen Schindler's List. And I also need to see Munich as well. Um, so those are yep. those are big ones that I haven't seen. So, like, you can literally attack this sort of watching things any way you want. Um, sometimes I'm more all over the place. Like, when this first started, like, I think I saw one. I've been trying to go through uh, Brian De Palma movies. Um because I caught two, like, within the span of two nights within each other. And I'm like, I guess this is what I should do now. Just finish what, finish out Brian <laughs> De Palma movies I haven't seen. So I've been, I watched two uh, within the last, uh, week, over the last weekend, um, Femme Fatale and Body Double. And I still have a bunch more to go through. Um, but that was sort of fun to go, uh, to watch. Um, and then it you also start seeing the evolution of the director, like, you know, granted I'm not doing these in order in any sort of order whatsoever, but it's so weird to see him as a filmmaker, you know, doing body double or something as bold and risky as Phantom of the Paradise, um, which is so different than anything else. And like, how did he get to the same, like, how is he the same filmmaker? I don't know if you saw passion, um, with, uh, Rachel McAdams and, oh gosh, I can't remember her name. Is it Numi Rapace? Numi Rapace. Yeah. I, my husband and I call her a fake name that Jezebel (laughs) 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 called her Missy Opossum once. And so we call her Missy Opossum, not Numi Rapace. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) it's it's so old. It's not even funny anymore. But so I just kept thinking Missy Opossum. But, uh, like, how did Brian De Palma get from the same filmmaker who did, who was the same person who did just such risky work, risk-taking work, to this person who made passion, which I thought was passionless. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, just, I was the biggest don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, just, it's weird. It's just so bizarre. But, yeah. So, luckily, I have, like, I have the time to do this. And, um Luckily, I still have the attention span, too, because I think a lot of our colleagues have been talking about how and even friends have talked about how they're finding their attention span isn't what it was before quarantine. 
happen mm-hmm. too, where they can't even like pay attention to movies anymore, or it makes them too anxious or nervous. So I think that's a real thing that's that's happening with some people too. Yeah, I'm having the attention span thing, but not as much like watching movies. Sometimes at first, especially, it was for writing. I guess mm-hmm. it became quite as important. Um, at first, it was like, you know, why write about this when that is going on? But in a way, it's how you make sense of the world. So I I quickly then figured out how to do it. And But the first few weeks were really rough going for writing, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, I love your taste in music, especially those 80s and 90s records that you've been <laughs> by Janet Jackson. I was in her fan club as a kid, and I also greatly enjoyed the post where you revisited the Debbie Gibson Electric Youth concerts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to have that same one on VHS, and I recorded all the music specials of that era. Like, I remember one, it was Bruce Willis and the Pointer Sisters. Mm-hmm. And then he like, shared a record of Bruce Willis, and it was just great. So what <laughs> is it about the music from that era that you love so much for the younger generation that might not get why we love the music of that era? And I do don't... You your first um, or your earliest record cassette or CD mm-hmm. purchases? I was going to ask that one too. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I don't know what it is about that era that like delights me so much. It's just the era that, and I think our parents were like that too, where you just get stuck in the era where you sort of musically mature in that area. And that's sort of where you stay and feel like, that's your wheelhouse. Like maybe people my age aren't so obsessed with like eighties and nineties music as I am. Maybe they're onto like the trendier hipper stuff, but I don't, I feel like such an old get off my lawn kind of person where today's top music doesn't sound like music to me. Like that's just (laughs) not what I prefer listening to. Like they're great artists. There are some great artists out there for sure, but like, it's just not my thing. Like I love 80s new wave like that's really the stuff that stokes nostalgia is like my my jams um but yeah like my first let's see my first record that I got with Cyndi Lauper's She's So Unusual and that was on vinyl I still have that same record too um that was the first one that I got uh and I, I was like in fourth grade and I wanted to dye my hair exactly like hers in the fourth grade. And I remember asking my mom if I could do that. And she said, absolutely not. Um, you cannot have, you cannot have orange and yellow hair as a fourth grader. Um, so I guess that's lucky that she said no. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to, I thought she was the coolest. I still think she's the absolute coolest. Um, and I love her music. I think it's, she's so talented. Um, so I picked a really good record to sort of enter on. Um, the first tape I got that I bought with my own money, uh, that I earned babysitting, probably one of my brother's. Um, was Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. That That's was a new release. Of cassette tapes was mm-hmm. yeah, Born in the USA. 
and um, Bananarama's True Confessions. Oh, was, yeah. It was big, too. Um, my mom bought me that one because I had wanted, even though I do like Bananarama a lot, I think they have some great melodies and their, their harmonies are fantastic. Um, but um, And they have some really great songs. Um, but I had wanted Madonna's Like a Virgin, and my mom said, absolutely not. Like, I grew <laughs> up in a like pretty conservative Christian home, even though they were kind of a little more loosey-goosey on some things. Um, but it was still pretty uh, conservative Christian. And she was like, absolutely not. There, you cannot, you're not allowed to buy Madonna until you're buying your own stuff. And even then, we're still, you know, you can't have that until you're a teen. So that was like off limits. My aunt had that cassette and she came and visited once. And I was like, we're listening to this the whole time you're here. (laughs) I still could hear it like if it was on the radio and stuff. And, you know, I'm sure you did too, but record stuff off the radio on cassette. Oh, yeah. On cassette tape. Um, So I would do that as well. Um, But, you know, of course, it's not like owning the album. So instead of getting Madonna's Like a Prayer, or Madonna's like a virgin. Um, I my mom placated me with Bananarama's True Confessions, which is a much more sexually charged record than <laughs> Madonna's uh, like a virgin. Like completely more like more socially conscious, more like more sexual lyrics. But I, she didn't even listen. She just thought it, they were like a doo-wop group sort of a thing. Uh. Like, <laughs> So little, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even think she listened to the lyrics even after that too, because even like Cindy Lauper on "She's So Unusual," she bop is about female masturbation. Exactly. So like she didn't even realize that because you know the lyrics are so coded. So you know the things they realized and didn't. Maybe they just didn't say. I don't know who's to say. Yeah. But those are those are the big ones. Janet Jackson's Control was big for me too. Um, right. I bought that on cassette and loved it. Like wore out that tape. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some there's some really great production work there that like people have just sort of walked away from and um, have forgotten about. And I don't know if it's the best stuff quality wise to own on vinyl. Um, usually, a lot of collectors go for like stuff that was recorded in the 60s and 50s and uh, 70s and uh, instead and some you know some of the production like the actual production of the records isn't the best either but it's something I just like to have on vinyl that just reminds me of youth and and like listening to records as a kid and throwing those on and sort of just like hanging out in my room you know reading the magazine the like the teen bops and 17 magazines and just sort of hanging out listening to stuff so that's why I own it and some of the newer stuff like they'll come out with new editions of things like um some of the record companies these new upstart ones will reissue some of these records and you'll get like this whole new like anniversary edition and there'll be such a spread and wealth of more information that hadn't come out during those times either so um, so yeah, and I still, you know, obviously I still collect stuff from like sixties and seventies. Like, again, yeah. I'm getting more into yacht rock now. So like <laughs> there's a lot of seals and craft records that I'm getting. Um, but yeah, so that, 
that's basically it. I've blathered on a lot. <laughs> oh, no, you're fine. I was going to ask if you are able to listen to music while you write or uh-uh. now I can't either. I, I can do a little bit of like um, a composer's work when I'm editing, but that's about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can only, I'll only put music on when I'm like uploading to WordPress or something like that, where I'm doing sort of like sort of menial task, but I can't write with music on. I can write if my husband's playing video games and he's got the sound on and there's chaos, I can write in the middle of that. No problem. But if it's like, you know, if you're playing Janet Jackson's control, like I'm listening to that. I'm not busy writing. And so if there's stuff with lyrics, I will not, like, I can't. Um, But even if there's stuff like I've written sometimes during film festivals, you're in between things and there's crowd noise and there's music playing and you just can't avoid it. Sometimes I can just thrive in that chaos and write in the middle of that um, just because it's the time to write and get those feelings out of my body. So, But if I'm at home, I can't put on a record and listen to it at the same time as writing. It's just I prefer a quiet house uh, when writing and sort of think like composing my thoughts. Um, Even chill music. I know a lot of our colleagues like to listen to like just, you know, the chill beats and stuff like that. I can't even do that either because I'm busy listening to that, not concentrating. I know. I think. Yeah, I love music too much. I grew up playing music and singing. And so I'm always listening for lyrics or what instrument just came in or, yeah, mm-hmm. it's too hard, I think. Well, <laughs> and then get, you get distracted, like, who played that that instrument? Yeah. And what is that instrument? And let's look that up on Wikipedia. And, yeah. oh, my gosh, did you know all these facts on Wikipedia about this song? <laughs> I know. And then you wind up on some deep dive, like, mm-hmm. yeah. A rabbit hole, Wikipedia, I tell mm-hmm. you. It's mm-hmm. a time book. I mean, it's mm-hmm. good when I'm researching, but otherwise, like, hey, who's in this? Let me learn everything about that person for no reason. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, gets, it gets you every time. Well, okay, mm-hmm. you have to ask, just as a nerd. Um, okay, so what are your favorite Chanel nail polish colors? Because... <laughs> I have yet to get into their nail polish. I love their mm. fragrances and their cosmetics are wonderful, but mm. have not gone into the nail polish area yet. So guide me, Courtney. Here you go. <laughs> okay. Well, as you know, I'm a vinyl collector, but I'm also a nail polish collector too. I'm um, specifically the Chanel stuff. So it's funny that you picked up on that. Um, I haven't, bought stuff in a while and I'll keep all I know it's not great but I'll keep the colors for you know I've had stuff for decades and you sort of have to like thin it out a little bit but it's still Mm -hmm. pretty good um my favorite color like if you're just getting into oh god I feel like such a nerd but if you're just getting into Chanel nail polishes my first was the Chanel vamp color um yeah yeah because Pulp Fiction was huge at the time and then that color came out Demi Moore was wearing it 
and mm-hmm. it exploded. Like there was a waiting list at like, I bought mine at my local Nordstrom's, which was my, like, that was my crack dealer was <laughs> our local Pleasanton Nordstrom's that's now going out of business. And I feel like my childhood is dying and that I should go visit it and saying, this used to be my playground as they tear it down. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so like I was on a waiting list for a really long time and I finally got it and it felt like I had just gotten like a bar of gold. It was so wonderful. Um, so that's a great color and it's good on every skin tone, every skin tone from fair to dark. Um, it's such a classy, elegant color and it's survived for decades. Um, so that's a big one. Um, I don't really like their nude colors. Um, I don't think they go on very well, at least not on my nails. I don't like them for nudes. I recommend this other brand called Deborah Lipman. Um, she's the best in the nail business. Um, but she's got some gorgeous nude colors, um, like Sarah smile and a prelude to a kiss, all of her nail polishes at least they were, I don't know if they still are now, but are named after, uh, songs and, um, she'll do collaborations with some stars too. So Sarah smile, um, which is this gorgeous, like nude beige, um, which also is good on any skin tone was I think in collaboration with Sarah Jessica Parker, but anyways, so, um, she, uh, her nudes are really great, but back to Chanel colors, like, I like their more bolder colors that they come out with each season. Like, I don't, I have a few of their berries, um, but I don't really love those. I love the more obscure, like, sort of risky kind of colors. Like, there was one season where they did, like, a aqua blue and a bright purple. And um, so I'll get stuff like that. But Vamp is always my go-to. For them, they also have a beautiful copper color, too. Um, I'm nowhere near sitting where my nail polish collection is right now. Otherwise, I'd just be no reading you names. But they also have um, their best, one of their best colors is this gorgeous red um, that's uh, called Cinema. And um, that's my favorite red. That's my go-to red. Um, and I own a few of their red colors, but it's like, Cinema is really great. If you want something a step darker, but not as dark as Vamp, you should get Pirate, which is wonderful. Um, It's sort of like a darker, more scarlet red. Um, And then if you want like a fiery red, I think they have a red that's called Fire Red. That's more like a cherry apple red. Um, But yeah, so that's, God, I just got super nerdy. (laughs) I love it. Okay, now I'm going to get nerdier. Do you have to put down a base coat of clear first mm-hmm. so it doesn't bleed onto the nail? Like you should I'm always always you should use a base, but. Yeah, you should always use a base coat and if you can do a top coat too. Um, okay. and I usually do two coats unless the color's so dense on your first coat and you think you can get away with just one coat or if you want to make it something that's a little more like if you're doing a metallic and you want it a little more sheer, you could do one coat of that. Mm-hmm. But I always use a base coat, and that yeah. always seems to sort of help. Yeah, I usually use, like, SE as a base, but mm-hmm. what do you like to use for your base and your top coat? 
I know this is uh, going to appeal to like the smallest denominator, but I don't care. We need some nail polish discussion. Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> well, since a lot of people have to like, I'm not usually like, I usually don't pay attention to my fingernails that much. Like I was into it for a really long time, like in college when I had the time to do my nails. Uh, and then I just got out of it and just didn't care. Like I would still just, you know, cut my nails and, you know, buff them out and stuff, but I wouldn't put, I wouldn't worry about color. Um, mm-hmm. it's only until I started doing gel nails where I was like, okay, like let's sort of like, oh, my nails look great. This is wonderful. And gel nails are great, but you can't do that during quarantine, uh, <laughs> unless you have those skills, which I do not. Um, so I usually use like, I have a Revlon base coat, but you can use <laughs> any, any base coat. SE polishes are wonderful too. They've got a great color range too. Yeah. Um, just any base coat. You can even use like stuff that you have for a top coat, I think as a base coat, but I don't know. I'm not a professional manicurist, so, no. uh, don't take my advice for that. But, um, I use OPI as my top coat, clear coat. Oh, great brand. Yeah. Love OPI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, that's my nail polish stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I think that's important. I mean, and Hey, we did talk a little film in there with vamp and, I mean, cinema. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So we're getting a little off topic, but we're still keeping it filmed. I love it. <laughs> I, hope, I hope people are still tuning in and still I listening. Know. But yeah. I, again, I haven't like, it's been years since I've done like nail polish. Like literally my nails look like a train wreck when I first tried to get, like it's a good thing for concentration and sort of keeping your concentration up and you feel like you're doing something and it's color so it uplifts your spirit so I think it's good during this time as a good stress reliever at least for me it is so hopefully like I can inspire somebody to like maybe want to do their nails or something like that I don't know I'm I don't put any stock in what I say Oh, you're fine. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to do this and share your background with us and your taste in movies and nail polish and music, which was a lot of fun as well. So thanks, thanks for having me on. This was a lot of fun. I, I hope yeah. I didn't blather on too much. <laughs> oh, no, I loved it. I want to thank you so much. I hope you have a good rest of your day, Courtney. Thanks. You too, Jen. Okay, bye. Bye. This is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com or FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen and Friends.